This week we'll be talking about the big reveals from Summer Game Fest, E3 coming back with Vengeance, is God of War actually coming out this year? And more on Season 6, Episode 22 of Press X to Start Podcast. What's up, everyone? I am your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Bad Choices. A.k.a. The Summer Game Festivian. I made a word out of fest. Mm. Who else is here? I am Sean M.F. Ross. What's the M.F. stand for? I'm going to go with Drilly Wonka again. Oh, okay. Okay. An oldie but a goodie. I like that. Who else? Uh, Jordan, Jordan, a.k.a. J.X.Bot. All right. And last up? It's Avery. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. That's always all right. You now know who the four of us are. Uh, please tell us who you are by putting a comment down below and and hitting the like button, the subscribe button. You're a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just say hi. You know, that's all we have. Press X Star Podcast is a weekly show where we talk about the latest gaming news, review the biggest games, and give you our thoughts on the games we are playing. Our goal is to expand the video game media landscape through an underserved point of view. Just to give you a little uh, heads up, viewer, we have just finished watching the Xbox games, Xbox and Bethesda Games Showcase. I always got to make sure I include Bethesda. Um, so, you know, we're going to we're going to definitely talk about all of that. But before we do that, let us jump into the quick hits. Uh, relatively short. I guess quick hits, depending on how you feel about it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, this is from GameSpot. This is from Eddie McCooch. <laughs> uh, E3 will return in 2023 as a physical and digital show. Uh, this is a quote from the article, which I believe is a quote from the ESA. There's a really strong desire for people to convene, to be able to connect in person and see each other and talk about what makes games great. Uh, so yeah, in a year that we didn't get an E3 and Jeff Keighley got full carte blanche to do his Summer Game Fest uncompeted against, uh, E3 said, oh, yeah, we're coming back next year. And I'm not mad about this. I'm not mad about this either. I think. I think it will be really interesting to see. How things get split up, because if E3 comes back charging like they did before, and that was like one of the biggest issues that a lot of the publishers had. I, I, I oh, you I mean would charging imagine. for booth space and all that. Yeah, because like. um uh summer games fest next year will also be a digital slash in-person thing so yeah it'll be so fascinating to see how the split goes like i think uh what you call it exclusives well that's the thing it depends on what they mean by in-person e3 yeah because like are they going to do like a big convention or are they going to do something smaller and intimate dealing with the covid protocols and everything and in that case, yeah. I want the. I like saying this. I'm not a fan of the, the Summer Game Fest. It really just feels like Jeff Keighley putting his name on a bunch of things that may or may not have to deal with him. And then this was the year he got to go fully with no competition from E3. And as of yet, it's not wowed me the thing of like, oh man, this is so much better than E3. Uh, so yeah. like, if if E3 comes back and we once again get, hey, hey everyone, 
pick a week. We're all going to go on these days, and that's going to be us talking about games instead of what's probably going to be Jeff Keighley stretching uh, what probably should have been a week of conferences into a three-month period. We'll see. I feel like that's not his fault. There's just not a lot that people are willing to... No, that is... The scheduling of Summer Games Fest is his fault. Because he's putting his name on things. This is not Cubbish with going up to him saying, we want to be a part of Summer Games Fest, but we want to do our conference now. This is probably saying, oh, there's no central place for us to talk about our games, and we've been doing this now for two years straight with none of that, so we're, we're yeah. now used to doing our own thing. We're going to put a date here, and then Jeff Keighley being like, all right, let, let me put my Summer Games Fest branding on it, and we'll, we'll market it together. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the difference between EA and Jeff Keighley. Is that e, EA, geez, E3 ESA. and Jeff Keighley. Yeah, ESA, yeah. Whereas ESA, they're like, hey, this is when E3 is happening. You schedule your thing around here. Whereas Jeff Keighley is like, okay, when are you guys doing it? You're doing it this? Okay, well, uh, you know, we're going to do June as in like Summer Games Fest. You want to work your way around that? And they're like, okay, we'll do that. And like, I think PlayStation, when they first put out their showcase, it wasn't branded as a Game Fest thing. And then later on, it was branded as a Game Fest thing. So it seems like Jeff Keighley is trying to just catch eggs as they're dropping to yeah. kind of get everything you know, crowd into one basket. And I think I'm, I'm actually hoping that he is able to like, he does another one of course next year. And like, that is just evolving this formula that he's been working on because as much as I like E3, I think what Jeff Keighley is doing, I prefer better. I like the production. I like the giant, like video wall kind of thing. And I think if he's able to just nail this down, make this a shorter thing, don't, Put like like I think um, Greg Miller was like, oh, you, you could just put a lot of these games in either the post show or pre show, and then have the actual main show be like more focused. And it's like, yeah, like that's that's that would make so much sense. But like, so, the like I just, oh, I'm sorry, DJ, I cut you off. No, no, no I, that was pretty much it. Uh, I think the difference between what E3 and uh, Jeff Keighley is doing is Jeff Keighley's making a keynote press conference. There used to never be mm. a keynote press conference for uh, E3. They were like, okay. Yeah. Publishers and uh, our third-party partners, here are the days you can go, here are time slots go. Like, it's, it's a reason why there was never a central figure in E3, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I get that, I get that. Like, the problem with Jeff's thing, and his last one really proved it, is that, like, he doesn't have the pull to get the most major, like, software things from major first parties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, Jordan, you have any any takes on this? Any feelings for this? No, no. I mean, I, I, I was just mulling over, you know, why we choose the middle of the year for a lot of like these big announcements. You know, like usually it's oriented towards the fall. We can remember that consumer spending the most, and that's when, at least when we were growing up, let's like when a lot of big games would come out. But now that games are more spread out over the year, like Sony has done a good job of programming the late winter, spring time of the year. Other major projects kind of stuck to the fall time, but yeah, I mean, can we live in a world where we have both? Sure. I, I mean, like, I'm yeah. not really keen on saying that only one can survive. I mean, will there be some redundancy? Maybe, but I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm not. that was that was the issue last year. We had both last yeah. year, and it was a clusterfuck in which both Jeff Keighley and E3 were on like 
get ready for a uh, Microsoft Bethesda press conference at, at Summer Game Fest. Meanwhile, the ESA and E3 are like, get ready for the Microsoft Summer Game Fest exclusively for E3. And I'm like, none of y'all got your shit together. I think the... <laughs> And I think I mean, because they're, because they're competing with each other, and like the publisher is like, "I right, we're the bell of the ball. We we don't have to do shit. This is y'all." But I think to Jordan's point about why it's the summer, I think it was just for marketing. It's that mm-hmm. if you if you show off a game that's supposed to come out in the fall in the summer, right. that gives you three or six months of publishing, which is a lot easier to like actually like get a good runway for a game. I think Bethesda was the only person who went like, "I right, uh, the game's coming out in a month." <laughs> this is the biggest game we ever put out. It's coming out in like a month. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, on, on, just on top of that is also, you know, way back when the summertime was when you got the most eyes because kids were out. You know, the market was very much so adult. Well, it was a, it was a summer drought. Remember, remember the droughts, the summer video oh, yeah. game oh, yeah. droughts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, like E three, like you you had all your eyes on it because no one was in school like the adults had made time to you know make sure they can watch it so also, yeah i also think it was because it was like oh we're making a game demo or a presentation for e3 in the summer we also probably don't have the resources to then release said game that we're making a demo for in the summer mm-hmm. a good point a very good point yeah yeah right. let's move on to our next story this is from vgc this is from tom ivan uh, Hideo Kojima is reportedly working on a horror game called Overdose. Uh, update, Kojima Productions has reportedly requested that the article in question be <laughs> unpublished. <laughs> so, the, yeah. <laughs> so in a E3 period where uh, everything is leaking and every, unfortunately everyone's an open book, a trailer for Hideo Kojima's next game just sort of leaked on the internet. It's featuring Margot um, Margo Qualley from uh, Death Stranding and other works in Hollywood. It appeared to be a third person a horror game. It's been identified as overdose. Uh, Kojima has been very particular about not wanting this information out there, uh, but it's out there. So sucks for him, sucks for the marketing team at Koji Pro and whoever his partner is with this game. What is super interesting with this, and this is a sort of tee up for the Microsoft press conference, I was under the assumption that overdose was going to be the Koji Pro Productions uh, Microsoft thing. And then when they started the thing of every game is going to be in the next 12 months, and then he shows up at the end and shows nothing, nothing. it indicates to me that his Xbox thing is like he's just starting it now, and his yeah. other time mm-hmm. is spent on this and Death Stranding 2, which is interesting. Yeah. So just to jump on that, like, yeah, I also thought that we were going to see this overdose game at the um, Xbox showcase, but... I think like, okay, this might mean that there might be an actual PlayStation showcase in September and this could be showing there. So if there is, it's guaranteed to be heat. Yeah. Yeah. That would be an actual showcase versus the state of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it always it sucks when your golden child gets leaked out into the world like that and you just don't have any control over it. It is kind of funny that, you know, he was like, can you just, can you just, you know, delete that? Both his games got leaked. Yeah, in about a, in a span of a week, both of the games he's working on in secret were leaked. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Damn, horrendous. Yeah. Um, before we jump into the next article about 
Fallout 76 being a disaster to develop for. Hey, hey, you listener slash watcher, we we uh, appreciate your uh, your 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 attention to us. So we ask that you just do us a little bit more of a favor. Can you hit that like button if you're watching this video, and then hit that subscribe button too, because we would greatly appreciate that. We are almost at a hundred YouTube subscribers. Apparently, once we get a hundred YouTube subscribers, YouTube will send us like a paperclip that has YouTube on it, and we really <laughs> want that paperclip. It's gonna be so awesome. It's going to be part of our branding. It's going to be great. We're going to share it. There are seven of us, so we'll each claim a day of the week. Right. I'm just going to cut it up into seven pieces. I, I like your idea better, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, we ask that you please, um, you know, like this video, like, or you can't really like the podcast, but you can share it with your friend, though. You can let us, let them know how cool we are so you can, you know, keep us growing because if we don't grow, then we shrink. And if we shrink, our mom says we're cool. That's true. Well, some of our moms. <laughs> Avery's thinking like, hmm. right. my, my mother has never called me cool. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, thanks and do that. And then we can get on with the show, Avery. Okay. So this is from Kotaku.com. This is from Sissy Jing. The human toll of Fallout 76 disastrous launch. Uh, former ZeniMax developers claim that Fallout 76 was severely mismanaged. Now, before we talk about this, there are some excerpts I kind of want to read from this. Here's a quote from uh, a former developer. No one wanted to be on that project because it ate people. It destroyed people. The amount of people yeah. who would go on that project and then would quit Bethesda was quite high. Then here's some other choice quotes. Uh, everyone go give this a click on Kotaku. Like, while I am relatively critical on some of Kotaku's, uh, uh, I guess, work as of recently, I think this is actually some really good journalism from them that needs to be like read in full. So it's sort of required reading. Most of the article is talking about the QA department, but then even, uh, here's a quote from the article, even developers outside of QA didn't want to work on the dreaded project. Management team was not shy about borrowing. They drafted developers from all over the ZeniMax umbrella to the point that other projects were negatively affected. Arcane Studio Redfall and Bethesda Starfield both lost team members to the black hole that is Fallout 76. And this is how Todd Howard talking about it. Howard told IGN that we have, we've been through every type of crunch you can imagine. And long ago, some ones that were very, very difficult for a lot of us, personally, with your time and your health and things like that. Wow, that was me reading weird. Uh, we have gotten much, much better at it. Now we're at the point where we can really manage it. I think it's why people stay here. He had framed the personnel shifting as a positive. In truth, the post-launch content for Fallout 76 through a demoralizing toll on employees across the ZeniMax network. People don't need to suffer so patch 42 can come out on time. It is a deliberate decision to foster a workplace and work cycle where that can happen, one source said. It's prioritizing work over people. Yeah, yeah, like that. That is such a true statement. It's like people don't need to suffer so patch 42 can come out on time. Like you've been patching this game like insane. So yeah, the, the issue with Fallout 76 was it wasn't just patch 42. It was patch. 5,000 with all the problems that game shipped with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like, and for some reason, when I, when I read this, this just truly felt familiar in terms of uh, ZeniMax and his reputation as a steward. Because that's what publishers are. They're stewards for these developers to which they give them necessary funding and they give them, you know, the technologies to do their work. But also they sign their paychecks and, you know, provide some direction on what they should focus on. Yeah, this is harrowing. Um, yeah. And, you know, as we push forward with the relationship with Microsoft, I hope that Microsoft are better stewards than ZeniMax is. 
Because, yeah, they turned it into a bit of a sweatshop. The reason why 76 came to fruition was to get that games as a service, you know, lane for that publisher. They're like, okay, this company's doing a battle royale. This company's doing a battle royale. We need ours. So there was no passion for the developers. And yeah, they were forced to, you know, sacrifice their health for the service of a bad product. Right. I feel like they sacrificed yeah. it on purpose as a middle finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got nothing to say to this. Like, it's it's terrible, and I'm just thankful that the story is actually out in the public, so we have the actual Truth. fact of the matter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's our next story. Uh, Call of Duty returns to Steam, at least from Kotaku.com, from Zach Swizen, so double Z. Uh, Call of Duty returns to Steam at the premium price of $70. Uh, Modern Warfare 2 marks Call of Duty's return to Valve's digital storefront after almost 50 years. So this article is talking about a bunch of, I guess, bells and whistles with Call of Duty, but this is a story I'm only bringing up because there was some discussion in the chat about this, and I thought this would be a good platform to have it. Uh, the $70 price tag and what that means, considering that this is a game that's going to launch on both last gen and current gen at $70, which is yeah, that's that's weird. That doesn't that doesn't feel good. Uh it actually no. Okay, let me let me just let me rephrase that. It depends on how good the quality the game is yeah because if it if it's a solid build then uh, no but 70 I was mean, only for the for the up the next gen games right the, it was 64 i mean they're free to charge what they want to charge it's a matter of people's wallets doing the talking well people wallets are just you know people people are going to buy the call of duty the current game engine of call of duty was made back in 2019 with like modern warfare the reboot like mm-hmm. um cold war and um, to a lesser extent, World War II, every subsequent Call of Duty that came after Modern Warfare is running on that game engine. So to say that the technology is going into it is more sophisticated to warrant an improvement, like the $70 is a, is a bit of a question, it, at least in this It doesn't have to case. do with the technology. It's the man hours developing well, even, it. And... Even that, you know, like how it, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to identify a compelling reason of why the original version like sure go go on and boost up the current you know like the the ps5 and the xbox series s version fine okay we already accepted that but for them to go back on the original version of ps4 and xbox one it, it just it feels like they're fucking with us That's they the never promised you a 60 dollar price point that is true i know no i i i know they didn't promise me a 60 dollar price point what i'm saying is what we are given currently and i'm criticizing that we are criticizing mm. That. I hear you. It does I like it, it doesn't like it's outside the pattern. They are choosing right. to make a PS4 Xbox One game seventy dollars. Yeah. Why? Because we can. Got to recoup I these mean, dollars. Sure. That's the thing. Like we don't because we don't have a immediate answer from them. Like yeah. we're left to assume like it's because Activision is just being Activision, <laughs> which sucks. Which absolutely sucks. It's, it's like, yeah, Jordan's correct. They're not transparent about how their development really works. That being said, this is the first time I've seen a Call of Duty product that literally every Activision studio is working on. So in regards to the amount of like physical manpower that's going into making this game a high quality project, I would understand. Like, here's the thing. I know that Jordan's criticizing the $70. Uh, I know DJ's criticizing the $70. I think Sean isn't, but he, this is one of those things where I'm like, if they're gonna charge $70, they're gonna charge $70. Like, I will determine whether this game was worth the $70 when it yeah. was in my hands and I'm playing it. 
And mm-hmm. the, I'm also not the Call of Duty guy, so like I was yeah. never going to buy this game for seventy dollars regardless. So like this is this isn't really a conversation I feel equipped to really talk about because like in my head, if if this was one Call of Duty every three years, and they made this change, to me that makes perfect sense. This right. is a Call of Duty every year, and now they've made this chance. And to Jordan's point, what has changed to make this seventy dollars? And to my point, it is. Activision, it's either Activision recognizing that they need to make this the best Call of Duty, and they're putting that $70 on it to indicate it is a premium Call of Duty, like this isn't going Mm -hmm. to be like last year's, or it's them being like, oh, this is how much money we made when we sold Call of Duty on PS5 with X amount of dollars, let's just split the difference and put it on all platforms at $70. I I truly believe we are purchasing, or, or in some way we are purchasing various single player versions of Battle.net. Because when you look at the Warzone Battle.net, a lot of the animations are the same between Call, like between Cold War, Modern Warfare, um, and I think there's another one in there. But yeah, like it's it's Vanguard. Bad. Oh, yeah, Vanguard. Yeah, like uh, there, there's a yeah. lot of similar animations, which you know begs question. Hmm. Oh, I mean, let's not get into uh, animation uh, debate because then we we can easily go back and talk about oh, look, Horizon Forbidden West. There's a lot of animations well, from Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Ooh, look at the new God of War. There's a lot of animations from the last God of War. Like that's yeah. those, those those are those type of comp. Like I'm of the mindset that for the most part, I will pay whatever a developer is willing to charge for their game, and then after mm-hmm. the fact, I will de- determine whether it was worth that seventy dollars. <laughs> because like you, you you could get a me paying Overwatch sixty dollars at launch, and then putting five hundred hours into that game and being like. Okay, or you could get a fucking me buying fuck. Horizon. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's a value conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at yeah, dollars per hours Maybe. played. Most people will play Call of Duty until the next one comes out. That's 12 months of gaming you're getting for $70. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know how much free content they're going to be well, oh. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> free and called the yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I'm, I'm zero confidence of that of the word free is found in Call of Duty or Activision. I hear you. I'm just saying. But they do have they do have pretty. Um, they don't really do like paid DLC content anymore. Although I think they still have that this microtransactions. Is this is battle score. pass. You re- yeah, they'll have a battle pass. pass. What I'm saying is yeah. value dollars per hour. What you're getting for Call of Duty? I I hate that metric. I hate that metric so Why? much. Because like it it changes from person to person. It's not like yeah, a value that correct. easily. It's not an easy to quantitate value. Because I could easily pick like okay here's a good example. I could play Hades and I'm mm-hmm. so good at Hades that I beat it in one try. Mm-hmm. Versus mm-hmm. another person who played Hades is bad at Hades and then spends yeah. ten days getting through that game. Yeah, yeah, like you, you can watch a snippet of of um, Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah, and have way more fun with that one segment than you did Morbius. That whole entire <laughs> fucking movie. I get you. We're it's Morbin time. <laughs> We're just measuring smiles per hour, man. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I, I get what Sean's saying in terms of like, I think that only works for certain genres, though, because mm-hmm. yeah, like story games, it is very much so like. Oh, one and done. Yeah, like you're you're pretty much done. But when it comes to the like you know FPS kind of online multiplayer games, that's where it is. Just like people are spending like 
weeks at a time in in these games well, it, and it, it is depends a thing of if it's just... a multiplayer yeah, yeah. exactly exactly like, yeah but one reason i really hate that value per hour thing is that's how we get video game bloat in which because mm-hmm. it needs mm-hmm. to be a certain amount of time time is yeah. put into fattening the game instead of refining parts of the game and you get like most wow. ubisoft games yeah you get like what's yeah. what assassin's yeah. creed is turned into yeah i hear yeah. you I, I feel like that's a different thing and yes there's a ton of content in there and you could play that forever but i feel like call of duty overwatch madden if, if you're playing one or two games a year and that's all you're playing daily or every other day and i've and i beat this drum before Seventy dollars isn't a lot compared to inflation. Oh, 100%. When one hundred percent, when we were paying for Super Nintendo games, and I don't remember how much Sega Genesis games, those were sixty, seventy, and eighty dollars back in the day. Yeah, if you go yeah. Google a sales paper and go look at it, yep, that's true. That's true. I think, I think, on top of all of this, the weird thing is that there was such a mixed reception to the modern warfare 2 um showcase yeah yeah i kind of feel like they were they were they were hoping that that was going to be such a uh return to a herald just it's here they're gonna be like yeah it's also saying i was like like, okay yeah i get that like what they showed was amazing so i could see where the 70 dollars. yeah i get it but like what they showed was like it, it, it really, it really worked for some people, but it didn't work for everyone. So I think that's another thing. We're just like, okay, well, a lot of the stuff they showed was very dark. Was kind of the same color. It didn't really do much to like inspire people to be like, oh my god, I feel this like we great. got like, that photorealism is- pop wow with the first revival of 2019. Yeah, Modern exactly. Goddamn, so this I, shit I, looks amazing. I kind of feel like that all kind of works into this and just being like, oh, this doesn't this doesn't feel too good. Like, mm. but then again, like, you know, we all have next gen consoles. So if we get this game, we are going to be paying 70. Then you get to the whole the premium aspect of it. It's like, OK, we charge $60 and you look at it as a lesser game because all the other games in this era are $70. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Okay, let's jump to our next story, which is going to be relatively short. Uh, this goes out to Marcus. Uh, shout out to you, King. Killing it. This is from Bloomberg. Uh, this is from Jason Schreier. Sony PlayStation's new God of War video game planned for November. So I, I, I spend a lot of the time in the streets of video games now. Just fucking trying to see. Let's get the tenor of the land of what the, the common folk, the rabblers, are feeling about video games. What do you have to give up for this information? Nothing but my time and my soul. Because like, because uh, <laughs> uh, if you think if you think people are reasonable, then you're I don't know what you're smoking. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're smoking. Reasonable. If you I think people even. do any research before they make a bold claim, I don't know what you're smoking. Yeah, unless they're, like, scientists. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. there's no video Well, you're not scientists. even scientists these days, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, so I, I, was, I was trolling the internet, and we all made the assumption that, oh, Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest kickoff, God of War is going to show up there. We're going to get mm-hmm. a release date. It's going to come out this yep. year. All the evidence was pointing that this game was coming out this year prior to that press conference. Press conference came, we heard no God of War, and so the internet was like, hold the phone, something's off here, what's going on? A bunch of people, supposed insiders, made stories about God of War is being delayed, God of War is doing this, and it's very telling when it's a small website that doesn't have any real presence in the video game news landscape 
is putting out an article that says rumor God of War is delayed. They don't care if they're wrong. Like no one, it doesn't hurt their credibility. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's clickbait. And I saw a bunch of those articles go up. I saw none of those articles go up from any major website of consequence. And I was reading a forum and then Jason Fryer just posting the forum. Whoever posted this did absolutely no research. My own sources have told me the game is still internally coming out for November. And I read that and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go about my day. And then Jason put out this article and now actual people are once again doing what video game journalism is doing is one person does their job and everyone else reports on that one person doing their job. And now yeah. we're, we're in a place where, as far as we know, God of War is still coming out at the end of the year and it's coming out in November. So here's a particular wrinkle onto this because yeah, so what everything Avery said is pretty much what I've heard, but then so Jeff Grubb has a different read on this. He actually thinks that it's going to come out in September. He thinks that the um, Last three, of Us three months is advertising run. Well, well, he thinks the Last of Us remake is going to take up the November spot, and they're going to push Ragnarok up to September because uh, yeah. the remake is supposed to come out this year too. Yeah, well, they so gave now I was like, oh. They- yeah, they gave a date for the remake. I think September second. Yeah, I'll be is, there this, with is it a remake? On. Yeah, is it a remake September second or? Yes, it is. Okay, so maybe he got this stuff confused then, because if the remake is dated for September seventh, then that wouldn't make any sense that they would switch God of War with the remake. Yeah, one percent. That was Jeff's only big reveal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Never mind then. Forget I said anything. So, <laughs> in a rare PlayStation. Uh, era that I can remember, Sony's actually going to have a pretty stacked final year. They normally gave up the end of the year for their third-party partners, but then Microsoft bought all the third-party partners. So now it's like, all right, we've kind of now have to put out market share in this time to <laughs> keep up with my share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and like this fall is going to be a, a good fall, and I cannot wait for it. It's going to be games to play and, and, and words to say about said games we playing. That's good. That's good to hear. All right. Um, with that being said, let us move over from the quick hits to the heavy hitter, which is the Summer Game Fest recap. Okay. So as I said earlier in this podcast, uh, at this point, we have watched the PlayStation State of Play. Um, I have watched the Devolver Digital Showcase. There was other showcases. There was the IGN. There was a Tribeca games thing there was a day of devs and there's the pc gaming show that's happening right now uh we also watched the xbox and bethesda games showcase and tomorrow from this date of recording capcom's gonna have their showcase so we won't be talking about the capcom thing because that's <laughs> in the future and you know how the future works and, and how we i wonder what they're gonna show if they already showed re4 and street fighter street fighter stuff yeah. um it's- well, we remember they had their in the last state of play. They showed up a bunch of really small games that no one gave a shit about that they could easily fill in time for this. So, <laughs> oh yeah, the in. arcade thing, yeah. yeah. And for me, there's a possibility of showing Dragon's Dogma too. So that's yeah. the thing. That's that's, that's a pipe thing. dream. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But um, so yeah, uh, that is pretty much it. So we are going to talk about the showcases we have seen and our feelings on them and all the games they have shown. And then we can, you know, write them. We can even put them in, in an order of some sort where, you know, it's not alphabetical. It's, it's, it's based off our feelings and, and, our, um, and our feelings, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the uh, PlayStation State of Play. 
How how's everyone feeling now that we've seen all this stuff about the PlayStation State of Play? Uh, it is still my favorite show I watch in these last two weeks. Uh, I think despite it lacking uh, first party bangers, the brevity and the active surprises that were in kept it something that I still remember every game in it. And it, I still look at it fondly, even the games that like I thought didn't look very good. I still remember fondly. OK, OK. Uh, Jordan, I checked it out. I mean, I'm happy mm-hmm. that people are able to experience Tunic. I, I think I'll look one of the highlights for me because I was I'm still working through Tunic mm-hmm. myself. Um, Stray looks great. Stray looks very fun. You know, like I love cat. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna say I love cats. So, like, there's one cat that I. <laughs> you have one special cat in your life. <laughs> I love cat. Yeah, I that, love cat. I'm not. I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna let the experience of that one my neighbor's cat affect my experiences of all cats. But Stray does look cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, Spider-Man remastered PC. That was that was a surprise that that would come out this soon. I guess, but you know, they Nexus was they, Sony was very explicit for why Nexus has been brought in to make mm-hmm. uh, great ports of great games. You know, Spider-Man right. was one of those like my tough like number three on my list for when it came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm excited to see how the mo- I'm not I'm, I don't want the modders to disrespect the game. I am excited for them to take the original Spider-Man's face or the Spider-Man before the remaster, like that model and put that on and have it 4K and all that, all that prettiness. But overall, it was fine. You know, it was it was a fine showcase that expressed, you know, things outside the first party that brings value to having a PS5 or right. PlayStation 4, too. There are both PS5 and 4 games there. OK, OK. And then Sean? Pretty much what Avery said. It was a solid showing. I have no complaints. Um, I'm just excited for a PlayStation Plus to start tomorrow. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. it does start tomorrow, doesn't it? Okay. PlayStation Plus Premium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's see um, what kind of day and date stuff we get. Are you right. getting stray day and day? Getting some cat to play with <laughs> next month. <laughs> Yeah, like um, I I also am in line with pretty much everything y'all said. Like I think it was a very strong showing. I think for me, I have to. I'm looking at these um these showcases slash conferences in two lanes, right? There's the objective lane, and then there's a the subjective lane. I think objectively, the PlayStation Showcase was a great showing of games. Subjectively, not much of that was for me. So it is a thing of like, I'm not going to play Resident Evil. I'm not playing The Last of Us Remake. Uh, Street Fighter is pretty. Last of Us Remake wasn't shown there. Oh, good point. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Street Fighter, like that is Street Fighter and Final Fantasy 16 was pretty much the two things. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But, you know, neither of them are coming out this year. So there is that. But I think. Oh, Actually, no, let me go back and say Horizon Call of the Mountain. I think that was cool, but I've been kind of a toss-up about getting PSVR 2 at least at launch. So that's that's definitely pushing me towards getting PSVR 2 for sure. Um, yeah, I think overall they had a, a very strong showing. They had a number of games. I think I said it during our cast. Like They had a good good swath of games where everyone can pick like two or three games that they're really excited about so i think you know when you try to hit something like that and it succeeds that's a very very good thing so yeah yeah you know overall i was was pretty positive on that as well um 
all right, let's jump into the Summer Game Fest showcase. Let's let's start with the, the same lineup. Avery, how did you feel about the Summer Game Fest showcase, seeing how you watched it twice? Uh, I watched it once again because I watched a bunch of people watch it just, just to see oh. what, just, just to gauge. Yeah, just to gauge reaction to see if I was a smoking bonus for being underwhelmed. And <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't smoking bonus. It was still an underwhelming show. So it's decreased from a three out of 10 to a two out of 10. Uh, it's I think oh, it's the worst show. That, <laughs> I think it's I think it's legitimately the worst paced and put together show that Jeff has ever done that I can remember. And despite there being a lot of cool and great games there, some of the mm-hmm. greater games that were shown there were just not shown in a way that made them interesting. Like I'm I'm in the bag for Midnight Suns. I've been in the bag for that game since it was announced. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. we're months away from that game, and it was a CG trailer that told me absolutely nothing about the actual game itself. So I'm like. Gotham the Knights. worst part is that literally when that trailer was shown, they dropped the whole embargo for the preview stuff. So people yeah. were showing gameplay, but not in the press conference. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. Yeah. Number one, what the fuck video game moment of 2022 is still The Rock showing up to self promote himself for five oh, minutes. Hannah, brother. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was as long as the showcase doesn't go over 45 minutes, I don't think there will be a worse show this year. <laughs> oh man, all right, uh, Jordan, what was your take on uh, Summer Game oh, no, Fest? You, you, you can you can skip me, I didn't even watch it, I just saw like the, the trailers after and the ones yeah. I was interested in, and looking at the list, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't waste my time, didn't know The Rock was there. I'm surprised that uh, I mean, yeah. getting the rock, getting the Vin Diesel wasn't there. That would have been tension. <laughs> but we have both of them video games nowadays, so yeah. But also, oh yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Fighters Revenge. Um, I'm interested in that game. It looks fun, but yeah, I, I didn't waste my time with Summer Game Fest. It was very telling that you were looking up Summer Game Fest and had no idea the Rock was there. No. Yeah. Sean. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Again, you know, looking at this, I'm looking at it objectively and I'm looking at it subjectively. Objectively, I'm totally in agreement with the no comment and what Avery is saying. It's like, this wasn't a good showcase. It was just too long. There's a lot of games that didn't need to be shown. The games that was over two hours. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And like, yeah, it was just, it was a thing of, you know, I think. In in the most optimistic of lights, it's like Jeff Keighley had this time space and he felt the pressure and he felt the need to fill it up and just didn't have the wherewithal to to see that he's doing a bad thing. So I'm hoping that he gets his feedback. He doesn't get defensive about the feedback and he takes the feedback and be like, okay, you know what? You're right. I do need to pull back. I need to make my next showcase next year, an hour, maybe an hour and five minutes, but that five minutes better be goddamn fire. But like, it just, just don't go, don't go past that and just well, keep I, it moving I, and keep yeah. it strong. I don't think we're ever going to get a Jeff Keighley production that's going to be less than an hour 30. I think an hour yeah. is a sweet spot for a video game showcase. Uh, oh, like yeah. anything over that, it better be like banger versus banger versus banger. So like, yeah. yeah. But subjectively (laughs) guys i actually had a good time here i I had a good time (laughs) mainly because i had the question of 
what was I going to see from uh, Hoyle versus Zenless Zone Zero? And they showed me what that game was going to be, and that was the question answered that I got the answer to, and I was happy with. They showed you a Twitter clip. <laughs> they showed you like something they would they would tweet out. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It answers an answer, Avery. That's all I wanted. That's all I want. <laughs> Will I say the two hours were worth it for that 10, 15 second clip of the gameplay? No comment. Uh, the other games that they showed uh, being Modern Warfare 2, I also had a pop for this. Although this wasn't what I wanted to see. I think the mission itself was pretty flat. Um, I did appreciate the moments of it being hyper-realistic, like shooting the person and the dead body falling from the stairwell into the ground. It's like, oh, that's, oof, that thudded like a real body. Okay, all right, I can get ready for that. But then, what I enjoyed most about this entire two-hour experience was the fucking drip of Guile. That man, I have never been a Guile fan up until this moment. That dude is... Man, when you pull out the comb and like this little hair thing, I was like, damn, I can do that to my hair right now. Do I dye my hair blonde? Do I become are you gonna, are you gonna cosplay? Yeah. <laughs> do I join the military? <laughs> what sucks to me, Jeff, is that the guile thing leaked after they announced that the PlayStation State of Play. So we already knew what he looked like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Jeff got it the worst. Like, like Kojima probably got it the second worst, but Jeff definitely got it the worst because his his first thing leaked and his last thing leaked. I think Last of Us remake. I have my issues with it about it being a remake, but it does look really, really good. So, like objectively, it's like, man, that's gonna be a banger. Um, but I'm I'm also super interested in the uh, factions thing because they only showed concept art, which bothered me i really just wanted maybe like a 10 second clip of something happening in the world so i get a sense of what they're going to give us as a game um yeah because like if it's like a division kind of thing i am down you can sign me up i will be playing the beta if there's a beta but you know if it is going to be like like factions like their first go I, I'm, I'm skipping that I, I didn't enjoy factions but yeah um that's pretty much my thing on summer games best showcase all right did anyone else watch devolver digital i just saw a couple little clips that she posted so yeah, okay I'm, I'm not marcus i've <laughs> i've i've been over the devolver digital thing after like the first time they did it and i yeah. think when they got nina struthers into the playstation 5 reveal i'm like okay mm-hmm. let's close up shop we're done here but they just kept going right. and i'm like these are really cool but i'm like you put in a lot of marketing energy into just making these <laughs> these, these comedy <laughs> skits every year yeah and they so i'll just i'll talk about this shortly but they definitely continued that because it was a lot of marketing into this this weird like uh facility building a pseudo 51 robot kind of thing and it was enjoyable but it was very much just like gimmick i mean i'm not saying i mean it's they they work hard but you know yeah it was funny five years ago yeah it's a gimmick and like i you know although yeah, no, I, I had a good time watching it. Like, I found, like, some parts of it funny. Like, there was other parts just like, I don't know what's happening here, but, you know, they, they look like they had a good time making it. So I was like, well, at least, at least you guys aren't suffering making this stuff. So that's fine. In terms of the games, I think they had probably, I think they showed, like, maybe five or six games. The whole thing was probably 30 minutes long. The actual, like, um, 
story interludes was probably a total of probably a total of like 10 minutes out of the 30 minutes. So it was 20 minutes of games. And what they showed, there was a lot of stuff that was really cool looking. So there, there is a game called Skate Story where you play this like demon, you were in demon yeah. made of glass and pain, which is so cool. <laughs> but like, I, I want to see more of the actual gameplay to see because it it looks visually it looks really crazy like you don't really know like what's going on but you can kind of get a sense of like oh you can kind of grind on that thing you can jump off of that thing I want to see more of that game um, there was a game called was it Plucky's Tale Plucky something yeah uh, that oh, was I, that little uh, yeah. 2D to 3D thing yeah I am looking for that bad boy right now yeah plucky's the plucky squire like that is pretty much the standout game for i think a lot of people where it starts 2d on like a like a adventure book kind of thing and then it jumps and the, the character jumps out of the book and it's like a 3d thing like that looks really really cool yeah I'm um yeah and then there was Angerfoot, which looks like uh my hotline miami but first person and uh, the story about that is super strange, super weird. But anyways, I actually had a, a really good time with that showcase. And I was like, oh, this is this is surprising because I didn't really think too much of it before watching it. But then as Avery was saying, like um, him having like a very fond memory of the game showing at the PlayStation showcase, I had a very fond memory of the game shown here. So, yeah, that's cool. They did a good job with that. Um, then there was other showcases, IGN expo tribeca thing day of the devs pc gaming show um i watched a bit of the ign expo i watched maybe about 20 minutes of it and i was like i don't i don't think i need to watch this so i literally just stopped watching it i didn't watch tribeca i didn't watch day of the devs i didn't watch the pc gaming show then i watched what i felt was important (laughs) and that's and the, the ign show stuff is like that is symptomatic of the summer game fest mantra of when e3 mm-hmm. disappeared in I, I, ign GameSpot, all of them they make pretty much all their money during e3 and so losing e3 put them all in a weird place and they all had to scramble to make pseudo e3s but they're an ign yeah. they're not going to get big things so they can only get things mm-hmm. that are either talked about somewhere else or super small and then they have to sell it to people yeah they got yeah, that uh absolutely. sonic exclusive ship yeah, like um, they started their show with the Gungrave reboot thing. And I was like, yikes. OK, if you're starting your show with this, that means that like, yeah, I don't really got that much in tank. Although it did look pretty cool, but it was very much just like, this is cool because I'm in a vacuum of like any other game right now. Like what's going on? But yeah, like, yeah, um, we can we can skip all that. Let's jump into the Xbox Plus Bethesda game showcase because that's what we saw. And that's fresh in our mind. So let's talk about it. Wait, wait, you're not talking about Sonic? Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's do Avery. What was your take on the Xbox Plus Bethesda sh- uh, game show thing? <laughs> I am. Uh, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on the cast if this turned out to be exactly what I thought it would be, which would be mm-hmm. a Game Pass showcase, which in I am not the audience for. Then like. I'd rather just watch these tra- trailers for games I'm interested in after the fact than watch them 
live. Live, like, yeah, yeah. So like, I only tuned like in, yeah, to the like, latter half when I woke up because I'm like, ah, you guys are still on. Let me get ready to do this podcast after the fact. So I ended up like going through the trailers and everything like that. And I think as a showcase, as a showcase, especially in the context of what they showed at Summer Game Fest, this is a four out of five, really great, solid showcase. It started strong, ended strong in terms of big games. As a, right. as, as me going into it, it's like a three out of five. I think once again, it was way too long. I thought when they said that like, oh, the next 12 months, I was like, oh, we're gonna get some concrete dates on a lot of things. We didn't, it's still a lot of things that could easily not be in the last 12 months, but we're not saying it's gonna be in the next 12 months. So not a lot of dates. I thought that there were absolutely no surprises from a first party standpoint when it comes to Microsoft. Like pretty much the two games we knew were going to be there were there and they showed them yeah. off. And I'm like, okay, that's great. I think the riot, like the two big takeaways I have from it were like what got me really excited was the Riot thing and then the Persona thing. The Persona thing, because that is a big get, like a yeah. monumental get in terms of like PlayStation mindshare in terms of what the Persona franchise actually is. We'll see what happens with Persona 6 going forward because this could easily be a Final Fantasy 13 turning point for them where suddenly Xbox is going to go day and date with Persona games. We'll see, because I don't know what the deals are, but we'll see. And the Riot thing was just like, I was not expecting this, knowing for a fact that Riot is now making console games as well. What does that mean going forward with this partnership as someone who plays a fucking, not a shit ton of Valorant, but enough to be able, like one of my big things I hate about all these sort of games of the service games is that like, if I join in on this game day one and it's two years into the game, there are six characters for me to play as. Meanwhile, they've released 15 new characters who are all better than the original six. Like as a yeah. Valorant, as a Valorant fan, like the two duelists in the game that they give you at launch are Phoenix and, and Jet. Unless you're the best player in the world, Jet is not the agent you start playing with. And Phoenix hasn't been good since first strike. So I'm like, <laughs> that's like, I like, you're fucked. You're kind of fucked. But like, if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you get all the agents, which is really big. And then yeah. in terms of the big two. How much did it normally cost if you're buying them individually? 14 to $20. Mm. Uh, but Valorant, right. Valorant, it's all about skins. Catch me buying a $100 knife, because that's what happens in Valorant. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, $100 knife. Dude, it's like Valorant has the coolest skins, like just straight up. But man, the price tag really makes you look and like reevaluate your place in life. Because I'm like, huh, do I really need this? But it's a Nerf gun, and it makes pop sounds when I shoot it. But it's $150. Okay, so you see, some people will drop that $150, no problem, but... Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Those are considered whales. $70 for a game <laughs> is ridiculous. Dude, Valorant mm. the worst thing. You should, all I'm saying is, if I had bought the RGX Vandal when it came out in the store, I would be much better at the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know, my final thoughts is that uh, Redfall is exactly what I thought it was going to be, and that's less interesting to me than what I hoped it was going to be. It seems to be a Left 4 Dead style with a slather of Borderlands onto it. It doesn't have the exciting game design that I'm into in an arcane game. That's a wait and see type of game that like, if the reviews say like, oh, this is an arcane game, then 100% I will buy it and play it on PC. But if it's like, yeah, it's Left 4 Dead, it's more back for blood. And I'm like, I don't have four friends who are gonna play this game, so I'm not gonna buy it. And then Starfield just looked like, I knew I would be wound by Starfield. And mm -hmm. I watched the Starfield trailer and like, I am well to buy this game. Like, it looks like prettier No Man's Sky. 
It looks like yep. a more expensive Outer Worlds. It doesn't look like the next step of gaming in that genre that I hoped it would be. And it still yep. very much looks like Bethesda is playing in their bag of like in types of how they design games. Because like after playing Horizon Forbidden West, if you show me a conversation with people and they're just standing looking like this into the camera, moving, <laughs> I'm like, that's boring. Meanwhile, Horizon, every time I go up to a person, they're like, here's a cool camera angle. Here's them moving around yeah, the scene. Here's yeah. them engaging me in this conversation. Like, yeah. I'm like, that was disappointing. The game looks fine, and I'm pretty sure the Bethesda audience is going to eat this game up. But it, it yeah. fundamentally, once again, looks like, oh, this is going to be another Bethesda main game that I skip. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. Content with a three for me. Actual presentation. Wait, no, 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 no. Out of ten. Out of ten. Out of ten. Uh, Just double the score, man. Seven. Six point. If I double the score, it's a six point five. I'm about to say, yeah. <laughs> three point no, five. It, All right, uh, man. Whatever. Yeah. That's that common core <laughs> math. Yeah. That's that. That's that bullshit. <laughs> I'm laughing because, uh, or I've been smiling because I'm looking at apparently No Man's Sky is trending after the big Starfield reveal. When I saw him farming, and I'm like, and he's pulling on a laser, I'm like, this is just No Man's Sky. A lot of yeah, people said, yeah. I see one person said No Man's Sky 2 looks good. Uh, somebody <laughs> said, it's like Bethesda saw No Man's Sky and said, we could do that, but only about 15% better. <laughs> and then no- nothing with the anvil and the, uh, uh, the often to me how I'm going to feel about this game when it said, hey, look at this big galaxy. We put a thousand planets in here. And I'm like, ooh, you instantly turned me off on that because you've made this game infinitely big for no real reason. And 99% of those worlds aren't going to be interesting to visit. It's kind of like No Man's Sky. Generated. Yeah. Yeah, No Man's Sky is correct. Like 99% I, I of the worlds. I played it at the beginning. It was... But at least No Man's Sky had the procedural generated weird shit of like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Sean, what was your take on this? Uh, the show as a whole. Yeah, the 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 Xbox, but that's a showcase. I give it two thumbs down. So no, um, no, it, it was decent. <laughs> it was decent. Um, once again, nothing made me want to run out and go get an Xbox. But uh, mm-hmm. there were some games that I would play if I had an Xbox. So um, I really don't want to play Xbox games on my phone. Maybe uh, if I. Attach a computer to the tablet, maybe, but um, then I'm not sure how many of these games. Yes, they're going to be on Xbox Game Pass, but are they going to be streaming to xCloud? Because they didn't make that designation. Yes, they say most of the games are going to come to xCloud, but that hasn't come to fruition yet. That's a good point. That's a good point. And then, um, Jordan, what was your uh, take on this? I thought, I mean, like, you know, I'm just trying to think about pacing of it, right? So mm-hmm. they ended, sorry, they began with Redfall and they ended with Starfield. In between, the other first party games were Flight Simulator and DLC for Forza Horizon 5, and also a proper in game engine gameplay trailer mm-hmm. for Forza Motorsport. Um, in terms of racing games, you know, incredibly excited. As y'all know, I'm a pretty big fan of racing games and. Forza has retained that crown, like at least for the past half decade, but Forza Motorsport 6 and 7, and the whole entirety of the Forza Horizon series. Now, going to Redfall, yeah, you know, like uh, many of the sentiments that Avery shared, you know, of it being very much so close to Left for Dead or Black for Blood, that, but with specific classes. Back for Blood didn't really have classes, you know, they had like gadgets mm-hmm. that you can have at the beginning of each run. 
But um, this was a game, and this is a fair criticism to make for Game Pass, is a game to which is highly uh, reliant on multiplayer systems. Uh, that is what Redfall is set up to be. I think Microsoft may have a partnership, well, an expectation with Bethesda. You have your you know, single-player experience, but also you have to give us a multiplayer experience. And that yeah. is what allows for the open-endedness of Game Pass to continue and people to continue to resubscribe to Game Pass if they had those open-ended games like Forza Horizon and in this situation, most likely like Redfall. There was a lot of uh, launch exclusives so that you pointed out during our uh, stream, DJ, uh, the Rick and Morty team making a console exclusive. That looks pretty yeah. interesting. You know, I'm, I don't want to call myself a Rick and Morty fan because Rick and Morty fans are toxic. Um, <laughs> I enjoy Rick and Morty um, and the same humor that they have in that series are moving over. Uh, in terms of Persona, you know, Phil Spencer was a man on the mission. Uh, trying to right. break down the wall uh, that Xbox has had between Xbox and Japan. Um, though recently, you know, there are reports that the Series S's are doing well uh, in terms of consumer engagement in Japan. Um, the only reason why they're doing well compared to PlayStation is because of the limited stock of PlayStation, in, in my opinion. Right. Um, but, you know, this could lead to other Japanese properties being the... Uh, Final Fantasy series. Like, I, I thought that Final Fantasy VII Remake, Seven remake yeah, would be here. I thought that as well. And I was shocked when, once again, it's year three of that game and we've heard nothing of when it's coming to Xbox. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really super surprised on that, just for the fact that, you know, Final Fantasy 16 was shown at PlayStation. So it's, I'm pretty sure PlayStation has a pretty tight grip on that game. And it's not technically done i guess because you know it's in parts or whatever so that's i mean i i get that but like we also live in a world where 15 was on all platforms that's true good point but yeah sorry jordan continue no 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 i was just i was just trying to find anything else i wanted to point out um Mm. and i can't really think of anything right now i would probably give between 7.5 and 8 the same uh rating i gave it during the stream and as as a final point I would only compare this with the PlayStation Showcase uh, last fall. I wouldn't compare this with the state of play, at least in terms of its intent. It's something to get energized for their fiscal year. I don't know if Sony's running on the same fiscal year. They may be running on a calendar year cadence with how they release and how they orient when they market their products. But comparatively, you know, this. I'll, uh, I'll text Jim Ryan and find out for you for sure. Comparatively, the PlayStation Showcase, you know, really set the bar, at least going into this generation of, you know, in terms of excitement with Wolverine and Spider-Man 2 and all that shit. Mm. But um, what I will say is compared to last year's Xbox Showcase, it felt like there was more energy Game Pass-wise going into it. While this time around, a lot of the Game Pass energy is at the end of it, like uh, going into the remainder of this year into next winter. Which I do find a little bit fascinating. Like it felt like it was very clear, like the game passness of the spring summertime right now. Um, but now it, it seems like they wanted to have more energy after the showcase than before Game Pass wise, which I think may play off. Yeah. yeah, I think we had this conversation earlier, like when the big two game for Xbox is fall, which I always knew Redfall wasn't gonna be this year. And I I I'm, I was beating the drama at the beginning of the year that Starfield wouldn't make this year, especially when all the content we saw of that game was 
here's a three hour dev conversation and we showed you a slide. I was like, oh, what are they going to do for the end of the year? And what I figured would happen was, all right, let's put the whole hand into Game Pass in regards to, all right, we're just going to put more and more money into making Game Pass an attractive service for the next year. And I think they did a really good job, if you're a Game Pass subscriber, of being like, okay, here's your offerings for Game Pass. But like, I'm very curious on what the tenor is. Their uh, marketing teams have come out and said, we're hoping for at least five first-party studio games every year. And like, we're going to be working on those cylinders. But we are a year three, three or four. Yeah, two, two, two and a half. Um, both came out like, like um, fall 2020. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, when, when was the Microsoft big acquisitions? When was that press conference? Because like, we're three or four years into, okay, when is the shoe going to drop and Xbox finally starts getting big first-party games? I would say between 2018 and 19, maybe like yeah. right before the Bethesda purchase, when they were like, you know, the first wave. I think that holiday when Phil Spencer announced uh, Ninja Theory um, and others coming together, that was when they were like, we're yeah. going to yeah. uh, speed yeah. up the process yeah. of first parties. And something I also yeah. want to shout out is fuck, I forgot it. And I thought this was super cool during the press conference and I wanted to shout out, but I forgot it now. My mind is sludge. Mm. Oh. Okay, I, it was two things. The Overwatch 2 stuff is actually cool, and Overwatch going free-to-play is actually super interesting, and I need to know more about what that means going forward, and it's really cool to see the Junker Queen in her flesh after, once again, five years of that character being a thing that we knew about. And then the biggest cap of the press conference was the Hideo Kojima thing, mm-hmm. where I was like, you made this big thing, the, uh, you and Sarah Bond came out, like, the next 12 months of Xbox, and then you came, Hideo Kojima, like, I'm making a game, I've got nothing to show. Yeah, that was super weird. Like, yeah, okay. Um, are you are you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Okay, yeah. So, um, my take on the Xbox, but that's the uh, game showcase. I think it was a very, very solid showing. I think it was long, but I guess because we went through the gauntlet of the Summer Game Fest, it didn't feel as long. So I was just kind of you know vibing, enjoying the trailers. I think a majority of the trailers it showed were strong trailers. So that definitely helped in terms of the time passing. Um, and they had less people life, just talking as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, High on Life was for sure like my game of this show. I thought the trailer was fantastic. I really enjoyed the humor. It also looked really, really good. So I'm definitely going to be uh, keeping an eye out on that game. Um, I also think uh, Plague Tale Requiem, that was pretty cool. Uh, I hear you guys talk a lot about Plague Tale uh, 1. So that, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I had downloaded that and not, and maybe. If, if you didn't, I will give you the money to buy it because that is one of my favorite games on the, on the platform. Okay, okay. And then um, the Overwatch 2 thing I thought was cool. That was a pop. Um, I really, really enjoyed watching the, um, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, yeah. The Forza Horizon 5 Hot Wheels stuff, that looked so ridiculous. And I really enjoy when you do a little bit of the fantastical in a realistic setting and just having the crazy tracks just all over the place and you just kind of focus yeah, on they, the foreground. It's, yeah. it's a DLC that was introduced back in Forza Horizon 3 and they brought it back. The fans loved it mm-hmm. the first time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I'm a little disappointed in Arc 2, as I said in the actual showcase. I was really hoping Vin Diesel would just actually voice one of the dinosaurs. I think that would have been... Or drift a dinosaur. <laughs> right? <laughs> or drift it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that game has big, we have Horizon Zero Dawn at home energy. <laughs> oh i can't oh yeah you're right i cannot get that out of my head now yeah um i think the the diablo 4 trailer that was super cool the the necromancer forgot they showed that yep (laughs) there was a lot i was like oh this is is this avowed like what's going on here it turned out to be a new class like all right cool 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 um i thought that was really cool I, i think they had a lot of different pops for a lot of different people oh uh, I, yes, I'm interrupting my sentence to interrupt myself to talk about Wulong, Final Destiny. Nah. I don't... This this looks like Dynasty Neo. Warriors meets... It's Chinese like, Neo. It's Chinese... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All it's right. the same team that made Neo, and it's... I guess because Neo was very PlayStation-leaning. This is going to be yeah. Xbox. We're taking China this time. I see. So that was Lubu at the end, then? Yeah, that was Lubu. I was, okay. popping, the, I was right. popping the fuck off. I saw yeah. doing the horse yeah. with, the, with, the, with the feathers. I'm like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Yep. <laughs> that was dope. Um, the Persona thing would have been a pop for me, but I was actually listening to uh, Jeff Grubb's Game Mess podcast, and he mm-hmm. had the scoop on Persona being at the showcase. I was like, oh, cool. I meant to actually post it in a Discord, but I totally forgot because I was dealing with London at the same time. Um, yeah, the Kojima thing was weird. I, I thought that was going to be more of a showing of something versus him just talking. Because like when he was talking, I was talking with you guys, so I completely didn't read the caption. And when it jumped to like more Xbox stuff, I was like, what? You're not, I showing, not even showing like concept art? Like what, what's, what's going on here? So yeah, so that was that. Um, to end with Starfield. I think Starfield showed very well. I think that was a very good trailer. I think that for all the Bethesda people who are wondering or who were kind of, you know, scared that this game might not be the game of their dreams, it definitely showed up and it I'm pretty sure it's going to be the game of their dreams. Um, as a person who played and still plays No Man's Sky, this game feels like a prettier No Man's Sky. And I think the the combat doesn't necessarily like the combat in No Man's Sky. Not great. The combat watching in this didn't really sell it for me, especially, you know, when we have premium first person shooters. And it's just like this, you know, the combat's not not really the bag here. Um, I think another thing that I'm kind of just like, sure, I because even you guys explained it, but the whole like there's no alien races at all. It's, it's all humans. I, I think for me, that just feels weird if we're in outer space and we're in deep outer space. Or we well, just don't have... I mean, astronomically speaking, the chances of intelligent alien races are very slim that we could interact yeah. with in our known solar system. But I get what you mean from the fantasy of you're making a video game and games like Mass Effect exist that alien races yeah. would be expected. Yeah, but like, we also have like, I think it's like 400 accounts of UFOs that just released. So it's like... Uh, you're one of those people. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, so like, I I think think it's just, to me, that that feels weird because I think, you know, No Man's Sky was kind of my first step into, you know, these kind of exploration games. And I I enjoyed the environment, not the environment. I, I, I enjoyed, like, the premise of that game so much where it's just, like, not seeing 
at least alien contact. I mean, maybe there is alien contact in this game, and that's kind of just like the the um, surprise. Yeah, the bomb even. drop or whatever. And it's like okay, that's cool because I like, more than likely they didn't show everything. Of course, they didn't show everything. It's just the first. I I I doubt there there's aliens. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm totally doubting that that's the case as well. But I'm just saying, like you know, maybe maybe Bethesda had a another ace up their sleeve. But yeah. Overall, I think this was a strong showing. Um, if I were to rate it, I would probably, you know, keep in line with the 7.58 ish range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of where I'm at. All right. I, I want to give a quick shout out that when they showed the riot stuff, uh, they showed some of the VCT situation. And as a Sentinels fan who had a really bad year, our team has imploded, and it's like the year the year of tens is over. It's really nice to see him, Shaz, Dapper, Zoms, and Sick just in happier times. <laughs> All right, so. Out of all these showcases, where would you guys? We can all agree that the Summer Game Fest probably was the worst, right? From all the showcases that we've seen. Yeah, of the ones I watched, yes. Yeah, okay. What would you guys think is the, like, it's the the, the crown? Like, what's getting the crown this year? Uh, Uh, Me being biased, PlayStation. I just had more stuff that appealed to me. Appeal to you, and yeah. they're not even exclusives per se, like Sony first party type stuff. But Street Fighter, yeah. would, I'm sure Xbox will get it. But as far as yeah. conferences with things shown, had Street Fighter, had a uh, Final Fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. I forget everything I had at the moment, but more stuff appealed to me there. Yeah, Avery. Uh, it goes the Sony Showcase, the Xbox Bethesda Showcase, and then the Summer Game Fest Showcase. I think, to Sean's point, one, I like, as a presentation of the Sony press conference, it was 30 minutes, it didn't waste my time. It had a bunch of surprises, big games, and I, to my earlier point, I remember everything there. The Bethesda Microsoft Showcase, it was a Game Pass Showcase, so it instantly lost me there. The two big games that they showed off, I'm not the most hyped for. I'm interested in Redfall because I love Arcane, but... Starfield looks like a miss to me. Uh, it was for me. It was way too long. Uh, I feel like they could have easily cut out a bunch of stuff in that press conference, especially knowing that they were going to do a second ninety-minute showcase in like four days later. I was like looking at the clock and re- like, oh, okay, this is a bit too long. But ultimately, it was a good. It was a well put together showcase that didn't drag. It just could have easily been leaner. And then I made my feelings for the Keeley showcase. But it's now a one out of yeah. ten. <laughs> it's now one out of ten. Not one out of ten. Jeff needs to know what he did wrong. <laughs> and Jordan, uh, number one goes to that Sonic showcase. Get yourself some Sonic jewelry <laughs> and some Sonic snacks. Um, no, some Sonic drift. Yes, yeah, a Sonic drift. That was interesting. Um, mm. But yeah, number one, I, I wanted to say the Xbox uh, showcase number one because like. When you say the PlayStation Showcase, you mean the State of Play or yeah, the one? State of, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, talking yeah, about the State of Play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Xbox Showcase because they actually had some world premieres in there, at least games that mm-hmm. we weren't we didn't know about beforehand. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean personally, you know, the Forza Motorsport and Horizon stuff truly, you know, it hits in what I truly enjoy. Uh, second, will be the gotcha. PlayStation State of Play, um, which had its own surprises, but it was fairly unique. You know, that being. Uh, Spider-Man coming to PC and um, Stray coming to the PlayStation Premium service, which I which I did find interesting, and also the um, migration of Tunic uh, into the PlayStation platform, that was not expected, but I mean it was going to happen. Um, and then probably Devolver. I mean, 
I'll just have Devolver Digital be an appendix. Um, I didn't watch it, so I'm not going to going to rank it. But okay, okay. Um, yeah, the the, the summer showcase is probably lowest too. Seeing that, I didn't even watch that one either. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't that good. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So I I it's kind of weird for me. I think for me. I might put Devolver Digital first. I think I might put Devolver Digital first and then put PlayStation State of Play and the Xbox Game Showcase tied for second. And then do the other showcases and then put Summer Game Fest Showcase so Jeff Keeley can know that he should never do something like this again. But um, I think the Devolver Digital Showcase, they only showed five games. I looked it up to make sure. And each of those games appealed to me in some way and i thought it was very interesting and they just they just it just worked for me like the first game they show was uh call to the lamb i think that looks hilarious and i i'm actually going to play that game they show anger foot which looked really cool looked really crazy they showed card shark um they showed the plucky squire which i talked about earlier and they showed skate story which i also talked about earlier i think those five games there, I mean, you know, none of them are AAA games, but they just they had such a presentation to them that I found very interesting and very like intriguing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess also it goes into the fact that like I didn't have any rumors on any of these games at all either. So, well, this is all a surprise to me. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty much our um, talk on the summer game. Fest. We're not going to do a what we've been playing because we're already running over the hour mark by a lot. Um, so we'll do that next week. So with that being said, this has been another episode of Press X Star Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoy making it. Don't forget to rate reviews on your favorite podcasting app because every little bit counts. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and notification button because every click counts. Uh, yeah, so with that being said, you take care, you have a good time, you play some games, you wash your hands and put that mask on because COVID's still out here beating people up. Peace out.